Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Irritable bowel syndrome in pregnancy. All right, irritable bowel syndrome affects a significant portion of the general population, commonly affecting women. A large portion of the women affected with IBS are of childbearing age. However, there's a small amount of information on IBS and pregnancy. Significant challenges are brought to healthcare providers in counseling and managing patients with IBS. What doctors do know, however, is that there can be effects linked with IBS, such as hormonal changes during pregnancy, which affect the GI function. Sex hormones, particularly estrogen, influence the peripheral and central regulatory mechanisms of the gut-brain axis implicated in the pathophysiology of IBS and contribute to visceral hypersensitivity, gut motility, mucosal permeability, and immune activation of intestinal mucosa. So, Dr. Derry, that was a whole lot. Can you, before we even (laughs) move on, can you just break that down a little bit? Yeah, it's just basically saying that hormones can get out of whack to a certain degree. And when those hormones are out of whack, it just basically affects your gut in a bad way. There we go. Okay. Rectal sensitivity varies depending on the menstrual cycle, with the threshold being significantly lower in patients with IBS during menses or the period, highlighting that IBS symptoms may be modified by the ovarian hormonal cycle. IBS before pregnancy is mostly associated with spontaneous miscarriage, about 7%, ectopic pregnancy, about 0.74%, preeclampsia, about 0.43%, and stillbirths at 0.22%. When compared with mothers without IBS, maternal IBS was associated with increased risk of miscarriage. The lack of knowledge usually leads to an unsuccessful treatment in IBS. This can lead to patients trying alternative medicines such as acupuncture, which does have surprising benefits. Acupuncture has been found to be effective in decreasing IBS symptom severity with effects lasting up to 12 weeks. Additionally, cognitive behavioral therapy, along with pharmacopsychotherapies, has also shown to further improve the global symptom score in non-pregnant patients with IBS, which could be considered in pregnancy. First woman cured of HIV through stem cell transplants. A woman living with HIV in the United States may be the first female and the third person to ever have been cured of HIV through stem cell transplants. Let's be clear here. This is not a cure cure. We refer to this as a functional cure because you have to get a stem cell transplant and nobody wants to undergo that unless you have to. And the people who get stem cell transplants are mostly certainly in the setting of people living with HIV where people had acute leukemia. 
Now, after receiving treatments, the woman's HIV reached a state of remission. If her remission continues and she is deemed officially cured of HIV, she will be just the third individual to be effectively cured of HIV through stem cell transplants. Experts say this is a breakthrough. It isn't a sign of a new approach to treating the virus that is applicable or ethical to adopt for the greater population of people living with HIV. Through the researchers findings, a new combination of specialized stem cell transplants were administered to treat her leukemia. Since then, the woman has been in remission for four and a half years. She has shown no evidence of an HIV rebound in the 14 months since her antiretroviral treatment regimen for the virus ceased. Only two other people in history can say they were cured of HIV. She would, however, be the first person living with HIV to achieve remission as a result of receiving umbilical cord blood cells from a haploid identical donor. The other two individuals were cured of their HIV through stem cell treatments, not umbilical cord cell transplants. Despite the success of the case, the scientists behind the woman's treatments have slowed down the talk saying this is a new cure. Currently, the patient is being closely monitored and watched and is yet to be known if her HIV will continue through to remission. So, all right, hope a couple things here that are important. One, as somebody who has been an HIV provider for over 20 years, let's be very clear, this is not a cure. What it is, it's a really fascinating treatment modality for people who have HIV who develop acute leukemia. What HIV needs is two receptors. So think of a receptor as a lock. HIV needs two keys to get into a cell to infect that cell and institute HIV in a person. Now, what happens is that there are some people, and we find these individuals mostly in Northern Europe, have CD4 cells, the cell that HIV infects, that only has one lock on it. Now you need two keys and two locks to get in, but if HIV has two keys and the cell only has one lock, then HIV can't get into that person's cell. So what these doctors are doing is they're finding people who have these special CD4 cells that only has one lock on it, and they are transplanting people with this. Now, the reason why this made the news is one, it's because this was the first female and two, because they used umbilical cord blood for it, whereas in the past they didn't do that. So that's what made this a bit newsworthy as well. The other thing too, is I think this woman also was of mixed race, whereas previously the two men identified as white men. So what we're finding is that if people who have HIV do develop leukemia, this study got us a little closer to moving out of just having white men be the recipient and more likely that we could start using this treatment, which again, only for people who have acute leukemia and nobody should want acute leukemia because that's a very dangerous condition to have. But should somebody with HIV develop acute leukemia, what this study is doing now, it's opening up the doors for more people to be able to get the stem cell transplants with the CD4 cells that don't have the two locks on it. And so that's essentially what all of this means. Got it. So it's a great step forward in, in medical advancement, but it's not a cure for the, for the general public. The general public, the media ate this up. Yeah. Okay. And all of us were like, no, 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 right. you guys are o overly excited. 
right? right. You know, there are right. other times we need you to be overly excited. This is not one of them. Okay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this should have been a thing that should have just remained in the world of the HIV providers. Right. Right. right? So this person is interesting because again, mixed race, female, umbilical cord, blood. So those are the things, but it's difficult to explain this to the general population. Yeah. Yeah. So because it requires a, a sophisticated scientific understanding. So bottom line, this is good. We're making some progress for those people living with HIV. This is not the end all to be all where we are for people living with HIV is we are starting to move into long acting injectables. There will be a time where you'd be able to come in, get a shot once every couple months, and you won't have to take daily medications. That's where we're headed for people living with HIV, but there's, we're still a bit ways away from getting there. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D R D E R Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefilthershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. Right.